Okay, good morning, everybody. We are on Zion Amad Aleph in Brachos, about 10 lines up. Today's share should be Nishmas Chai Esther Tila Basar Yitzipora, Chaim Levin Oriol, Etan Moshe Chaim Ben Esther. For a Elon Shama for Kamil Shabin Reason, Sivit Sonia Basmirav. Okay, so we are on the third word. We saw yesterday that Yeshua Ben Karcha believed that this statement, when Kodesh uh, Baruch says, you're not able to see me, uh, it says, Baruch says, you will not be able to see my, my face. When I wanted to reveal myself to you, you didn't want it. Now that, I, now that you want it, I don't want it. Yeshua Ben Karcha seems to give a negative connotation to, um, to the statement. In the merit of Moshe's three acts that he did when Akash Baruch Hu tried to reveal himself at the burning bush, Moshe was was a to three good fortune fortuitous uh, happenings. What is it? So it says when Moshe looked away, when Moshe came down, we know that Moshe went up to Har Sinai three separate times, each for 40 days. The last time was on Yom Kippur. He came with the second Luchos. It says, Kikara or Panov. He came down with a glowing face. And as a result of that, that the, he looked away and didn't look at it directly at a Kodesh Baruch Hu during the, uh, the uh, burning bush episode. So therefore, he was Zochetav, a, a, a burning, a, a shining, glowing face. The fact that he did not look, he was fearful to look directly at the burning bush because he understood it was the Shechina. So therefore, when he came down with his face shining, his siblings, Moshe and uh, Aaron and Miriam, were afraid to look directly at him. Because he didn't look, that he was able to see, we're going to see in a second, the back, the back part of a Kaddish Baruch So in these three things, he argues on Yeshua ben Karach. Yeshua ben Karach says there was a negative connotation that Moshe did not look, whereas here we see according to Rabbi Yonasan, he was meritorious in doing these three acts. Okay. The Gemara continues. It says, When it says that I will remove my hand and you will see my back, what did he show Moshe? He saw the back, the kesher of the tefillin, not actually actual tefillin, but the kesher, the, the knot of the tefillin that we saw earlier that Akash Baruch Hu wears the Dalit Parshios on the Rosh, and it, it exactly reflects our respect for him, says the Berdichever, Kedusha Slevi, that it reflects his, his reflection, his positive reflection on us. We say, we pronounce the uniqueness, the, unila- the singularity of Kodesh Baruch Hu, reflecting how great he is, and he wears Mika Amcha Yisrael, who is like you. We saw the same thing by Pesach, Hagamatzos and Pesach. We saw also by Midian. We saw different examples where we always try to be Mishabech HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Kodesh Baruch Hu always tries to be Mishabech us. Okay, the Gemara continues. Anytime Kodesh Baruch Hu gives a promise that is for our good, for our benefit, even if it hinges on a condition, he does not renege on that, he does not go back. Minolon, we, we'll get to this in a second, to Chazer, what we did a couple weeks ago. Minolon, how do we know that that's the case? We see a clear example from Moshe Rabbeinu, when, when Moshe sees that Bnei Israel was rebellious with the Chet Egel, Kodesh Baruch says, leave me and I will destroy them. 
But in, in, in response to that, once I destroy them, I will make you into a great nation. Even though Kaddish Baruch Hu eventually abolished and uh, nullified that decree because of Moshe's tefillah, still the second part of that promise that Kaddish Baruch Hu will make us great came true. Even through that, the Kaddish Baruch Hu still went ahead and made his children numerous and made them uh, great volume, despite the fact that he never went ahead and destroyed, Baruch Hashem never destroyed, and ended B'nai Yisrael Shenemar, B'nai Moshe Gershom Eliezer. The children of Moshe were Gershom and Eliezer. V'yu B'nai Eliezer, Rechavya HaRosh, U'v'nai Rechavya, Rovu Lamala. He had a grandson, Rechavya, and it says about Rechavya, the word Rovu, they, they multiplied. And similarly, it says the same word Rovu, V'ton Rav Yosef, L'malam Shishim Ripo. This word teaches us that the offspring of Rechavia became 600,000. How do we know? Because it says, Asya Revia Revia Ksiv Hacha, it says over here, Rav Lamala by Rechavia, the grandson of Moshe, and Ksiv Hasam Vnei Yisrael Paru Vayitretsu Vayirbu, where this is in Yonadiyom, Shmos. It says that Bnei Yisrael became so, um, in so many numbers, it used that word Vayirbu, and there, uh, sorry, Ravu, uh, meaning from the, from the word Vayirbu, um, and that also means that the, the play on words that over there it was 600,000, so also by Rechavia it was 600,000. Okay, so we know that obviously the Baruch Hu kept this promise, even though he didn't fulfill the first part. If you remember, we said now, we asked this question back on Daf Dalin and Daf Hay area, that we said if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is never choser on his, on his promises, what was the reason why Yaakov became fearful? It says, Ushmartikha, what Kosh Baruch promises him when he's about to leave to the house of Lavan, he's running away from Esav, he promises, I'm going to be with you. And yet, it says, Vayira Yaakov. Yaakov is very fearful. You have Avtacha from Kosh Baruch It's not through the game of telephone. Kosh Baruch told you, I'm going to go be with you. So why was he fearful? As the Gemara says, He was fearful that his Averos went ahead and maybe diminished his Zechuyos with Kosh Baruch And therefore, maybe even though Kosh Baruch promised him, Still, he may, he may, um, he may get hurt by, by Esau, and therefore he was afraid. Says the Gemara, you can give me a cup of water, Steve? Yeah. Thank you, I forgot to get thank you. So, Baruch Hashem, I went yesterday for my test, everything's fine, I just, I don't talk correctly, I talk with too much force, that's why I lose my voice. Anyway, Baruch Hashem. Anyway, <clears throat> so the question is, if we see from here that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is not choser on any t'nai, on any promise, a good promise, even if, um, even if it doesn't happen, he's not choser, so why was Yaakov afraid? Again, Yaakov was afraid. Thank you so much. So why was he afraid? So he says, But we know that he can't go back on it. So the Rambam says, When does that apply? When, does it, when do we say that a Karsh Baruch cannot be choser on a Tanai, on a promise? That is if he told a Navi, and he told the Navi, and the Navi went ahead and was mafarsim and publicized it. In that case, if the Novi would go ahead and get up on a soapbox and yell, this is what a Kaddish Baruch Hu said, and it didn't happen, then it would call into question the authenticity of the Novi. And it would be found to be a Novi Sheker. So therefore, it can only, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu tells a Novi, it has to happen. But that's only if the Novi goes ahead and is, publicizes it. Here, this promise was just to Yaakov. It was not to everybody. Therefore, to Yaakov, when Yaakov left, was leaving to go to the house of Lavan, he said, So why was he, if he said, I'm going to return you safely. And then it says, Yaakov. Yaakov was afraid. 
Because it says, why was he afraid? Shem Yigumachet, the Gemara says, because maybe his zuchuyos were diminished because he did a veros. But here says the Rambam, since uh, it was told private to Yaakov, and Yaakov didn't publicize this, so if the fact of Akash Baruch Hu didn't keep it, because ya- uh, Yaakov was afraid, again, we can't say this, but Yaakov was afraid he did chatarim, since he didn't publicize it, it's not going to call anyone into question. Right? He didn't publicize it, so no one's going to know that Akash Baruch Hu didn't fulfill his promise. We saw the Gemara earlier said in Az Yasher, we say, So there we said that, what was that? That was two pro- promises that Kodesh Baruch Hu made. The first one, was the Bia Rishona, the first time that B'nai Israel entered into uh, Eretz Yisrael, they had tons of miracles with Yeshua. The Yardin split, the walls of Yericho fell. That same promise was made, supposed to happen to Ezra during the Bia Rishonah, when, um, when Koresh, Cyrus, allowed the Jews to go back to build the second base of Migdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised right there and then, Moshe said it out loud during the Shira Sayam, that you guys are going to be Zohar to the same exact Nisim and Aflos that happened during the original conquer, conquest of Eretz Yisrael. What happened? We know that the Marsha says in Yuma Daftes that only 35,000, well, this is not him, but 35,000 people came back with Ezra. When they were allowed to leave Bavel and come back to rebuild Eretz Yisrael, only 35,000, a very small amount. So that's what says the Masha. That was the hate of the of the Biashni of that door that caused Hashem to go ahead and revoke his his tanai, his promise. But the question is, if Moshe went ahead and shouted this out at the Shira, it's now public. What happened to the Rambam's promise? Rambam says if it's made public and everyone knows about it, Karsh Baruch Hu cannot go back on it, even if it's all tanai. So the fact that there was a hate there, who cares? Akash, Moshe blurted it out in front of everybody. Says it's slach. <clears throat> because it says, the whole question is, Nehmanos, if the, if the Navi is going to go ahead and say something false, he's going to be deemed a Navi Shaker. By Moshe says it's Lach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him Havtacha, your Nehmanos, your trustworthiness will never be in question. You're the one Navi, because of your greatness, no matter what you say, they'll always believe in you. So that fear that he's going to become a Navi Sheker if he was to announce something and it didn't come true, didn't hold true by Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, so that is that little piece on everything that Kosh Baruch Hu promises will come true even if, if it's a good promise. Baruch Hashem, if it's a bad promise, if it's Lara, it doesn't have to come true. We could do Tshuva and Kosh Baruch Hu tears it up, right? We... So why did Moshe always have to, why does Hashem have to tell Moshe to Abri so and all the things by the Meraglim and the Chet Egel that he's davening, he's davening. Hashem said you're going to Hashem said, you know, Davening is going to take us to, 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 to Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, so, All those things <clears throat> should have had no effect on it. Well, the question is, how, how big of a people are going to take to Eretz Yisrael, right? In other words, how, how many people are going to die in the process before he gets to Eretz Yisrael? When? When? How long? Yeah, I mean, it's not, the Haftacha was still there. They could still lead them. But the question is, how many is going to lead? That's just the basic premise of the question of That's also correct. It seems to be a very unusual case. You don't have to do a shtatlis. It's like, that's it. Promise, we're good. Why don't you have to do a shtatlis? Why? Well, party uh, because Hashem promised. It can't be. Obviously, we, that, that's the age old question. question. You always have to do some shtatlis. You can just yeah. sit back and say, Kodesh Baruch will take care of everything. Yeah, right. yeah so you have to do. So why can't you say the same thing about Yaakov then? That's what? the answer, that he had to do his shtatlis. He had to be That doesn't mean he has to be afraid. He, he can, can still go ahead and prepare, but he, he can dive and stuff. But it, it stresses that he was afraid. And that, that, that's, the, uh, that, that's what they say. That Shema Yigum Achet. Okay.
Yeah, yeah, that's what the Rambam says. Yeah, correct. In other words, that that the Parsha Shoftim says, and anything he says that won't come true, you'll know he's a Navi Shaker. So yeah, the, the, the Parsha Shoftim tells us that in Devarim. Okay, weiter. Gemara says, "Amar Biyochan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai, Miyom Shabara Kadosh Baruch Hu Es Haolam." From the time that Kadosh Baruch Hu, since the inception of the world, O Haya Adam Shikro La Kadosh Baruch Hu Adon, there was no one who called Kadosh Baruch Hu Master or Lord. Ad Avram until Avram came to crow Adon, and he called him Adon, Master or Lord. Shneemar Vayomar Adonai Elohim Bama Edaki Irashana. How will I know that I will inherit uh, what, what you're promising me? So now, so. The question is, there were plenty of tzaddikim before Avram came. We know there was Mesushelach, there was Noach, there was Shem. There were plenty of good people in this world before Avram came. The difference was, Avram was the first to profess Hashem's ethical monotheism. In other words, they, all, they were tzaddikim, they were good people, but they didn't necessarily take it on the national stage. We know that Noach, the big knock against Noach, was in 120 years of building the Teva, he only went in with eight people, his wife, his three children, and his three children-in-law. In 120 years, he wasn't a car of anybody. So we see that they were not necessarily ones who were going ahead and professing it. Avram, how did Avram get to this? The, the, the Gemara tells us that at that time, they were very, very big into astrology. The Mazel, his zodiac signs, or astrology signs, showed that Avram was never going to conceive a child, never be a father to a child. And when Akash Baruch says, don't worry, he asked him, Why he says, don't worry, I'll take care of that, leave that to me. When Kachavah, when he had a child, he went ahead and realized he called him Adon. He realized that HaKadosh Baruch controls everything. Again, he was the first one. The whole story, the famous story with, uh, with the idols and Tarach. Tarach left in the Medrash says, and he destroyed all the idols. At that time, paganism was, was the way of the world, right? It was, was the way of the world. So Avon was the first to introduce this. So he was the first one to call, call Hashem by the words Adon. Interesting, we discussed last week, which got a lot of good feedback, people told me separately, offline, that they love the Meshachachma, who said, the Meshachachma said, why do we wear talis and tefillin, specifically by Shachris, based on Gemara and Chul and Peites, that says, because Avram said to the king of Sodom, he says, when the war of the kings, he says, I don't want to take a leather strap from you, I don't want to take a shoelace from you. And the Gemara said, because I want everything to realize that a Kosh Baruch Hu gave me all the, gives me all my wealth. I don't want you going bragging, says Avram, to the Melch Sedom, that you made me wealthy. I'm not going to take a leather strap, and I'm not going to take a shoelace. The Gemara in Chul Nadav says, because of that, he was zocha to the string, the string of Tchelas, and we were zocha to leather, the Ritzuos of Tefillin. And because in Avram's Zchus, we were zocha to mitzvahs of Tefillin, Tzitzis, that, and we, we wear them dafka by Shachris, because Avram was Mesak in Shachris. Azei shteit the Meshachachma. Yeah, no, the, the proper time is to wear them all day. No, no question. We, because of Gufnaki and Hasachadas, we don't wear it all day. It's brought down, the Gros says that he heard in the name of, I don't remember who it was, that that's why we start davening with Adon Olam. Avram is Mesak and Shachris, and Adon Olam is the first fila we say when we come to Shul, Adon. Avram. Avram is the first one to call Kosh Baruch Adon. And it's said that, and the Gura brings down that he was very, very fond of this, uh, of this interpretation. It's actually brought down in every, in the Masif that's brought down, the Arts Girl, everyone brings down that the Gura was famously loved this, this shot that, uh, that was said regarding Adon Olam. Okay. Amarav. Af Daniel Lonane El Bishvil Avram. Even Daniel. Sefer Daniel was not answered by HaKadosh Baruch Hu el, only when he invoked the name of HaKadosh Baruch uh, of, of Avram Avinu. It says, Shenemar. He says as follows. He says, 
listen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please listen now to the tefillah and the supplications of your servant. Shine your countenance on your desolate, um, on your destroyed, based on Mikdash. Liman, he should say you. Liman, he's talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why does he say it in the third person? He says Ado, and then he says Nai. Why? He's already talking to Kodesh Baruch Hu. He has a captive audience with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. He's talk, she's talking to the second person, to you. Why is he talking to the third person? So it says, Laman Chamibar, at the very end, it shouldn't say, it should say for your purpose, for your sake. Go ahead and listen to my tefillahs. He says, El Laman Avram Shekro Adon. He's going ahead and invoking, when he says Adon, he's not referring to Kodesh Baruch Hu, he's referring to Zuchos Avos. When Avram referred to Hakadosh Baruch Hu as Adam, how do we know that you don't try to appease someone when they are in the heat of the moment, when they are angry? Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, "Leave, let my face turn." Meaning, as if anthropomorphism, as if Hakadosh Baruch Hu has a face. But once my face uh, cools down, then I will go ahead and then I will grant you your wishes. Okay. Wow, a lot to say about this. So from the time the world was created, there was no one who went ahead and gave thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu until Leah came and said, but when she had Yehuda, Hapam, this time I will thank Hashem. So what's going on here? So we all famous, we're all familiar with the famous Rashi. Rashi says that Leah knew in Ruach HaKodesh that there would be 12 Shvatim. She also did the math. Easy math. There are four, four wives. wives. Three, three boys in each one. Beautiful. With an abacus or no abacus? You did, you did that with an abacus or no abacus? I don't know what you mean. Oh, calculator. I'm kidding. That's the old calculators. Okay. Higher math. Higher math. Right. So and exactly. Right. You're exactly right. So three to four. Right. Each one would have three each one of the four would have three children. When she had her fourth, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, she had Yehuda. Yehuda. She said, Apam, now I have something Why to be grateful for. Yehuda, oh, Yehuda is that I'm thankful. Right. That's what she named Yehuda. That's exactly what it says. Correct. So then the, the Sif Sechachamim says, by the way, we only, gratitude is, is born out of a recognition that someone did more than they were supposed to. So that's why it says, now that she got building on Rashi. Now that she got more than she was Zochetu, or should have been Zochetu, she said thank you. The Ksav Sofer says, again, the obvious question we asked about Avram, he could have been the first. There were the Ovos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were all around. She's the first to go ahead and thank Hashem. So the Ksav Sofer says, she was the first to thank Hashem for a natural, he says, Dover Tivi, for something that was natural, that everyone took for granted, she was the first to go ahead and, and to, and to um, implement that. Rabbi Rucham Levavitz says something absolutely fantastic. He says that she was the first to put a mechanism in place that she will give thanks every day by naming him Yehuda. By definition, every time she would say Yehuda, it would conjure up the thought of Hakara Satov. Now, it's an amazing thing, right? Every time she called him Yehuda, she would mock her tov. In Yana Dioma, this week's parsha starts the Makos. We know that Moshe was not allowed to hit the water for Makkah of Dam. He was not allowed to go ahead and hit the sand for the next Fardet. Why? Why? The water saved him, and the sand saved him when he hid the mitzri that he killed. It gave him an extra, he buried him in the sand. It gave him an extra 24 to 48 hours to skip town before Paro found out and put a bounty on him. It wasn't that he wasn't allowed. He just wanted to, he wanted to show gratitude. Good, good, okay. 
Akar Sato. Right. There's also, now, what's the obvious question? First of all, those sand. objects <laughs> are sand. inanimate. More than that, it clearly wasn't the same sand that happened years ago. It clearly wasn't the water in the Yamsuf that, right, when he, when he was saved in... There's another Pasuk. The other Pasuk says also that, which even only makes it a little bit further, it says, um, It says when you have an avela or a trefa, an animal is killed. You have an animal killed in the field. You're not allowed to eat it. Give it to the dogs. Why are we giving it to the dogs? Because they didn't... Good. They didn't bark during, during uh, Makas Bechoros. Also, very hard to understand. The dogs are going to know the answer is, Rav Nebenzal, uh, Rav Nebenzal says in his uh, Sefer on Shmos, he says that it's not for the inan- um, inanimate objects. When someone gives a karasatov, it's for the person who's giving the gesture, not the one who's receiving the gesture. It changes us. Inherent in the word, if you notice, the same word we say, moda'ani, is also the same thing as lehodos. To admit is also to think. If you're makir, if, if you're makir, if, if you're model MS, if you recognize the truth that everything comes from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's impossible not to be model makir tov. If you, when you admit something, it's actually a sign of anivos, humility. I needed someone's help. It's changing you as a person. It wasn't for the sand. It was not for the dogs. It wasn't for the water. It was for Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a famous story of Yisrael Zev Gustman. Rav Yisrael Zev Gustman was happened to have been the last Dion in Vilna before World War II. He actually got on a very young age. He was on the Bezdin of Rav Chaim Ozer Gudzanski with the age of 18, I believe. And he was the last Dion in Vilna. And um, <clears throat> in, until 1943, until the war, he eventually became the Rosh Hashiva of a, of a Netzach Yisrael, Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And he was... In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, Brooklyn then to Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, yeah. And then he moved to Eretz Yisrael. He, he, Eastern Park is where he started, correct. He was Nifter in 1991. Oh, we got some New Yorkers here. Okay. I think, I think the, the Kiddush is that we have some Floridians here. Everyone's a New Yorker here. So, yes. Uh, so he was, he was uh, what? Yeah? Okay. So he was Nifter in 1991. So there's a famous story. He was one day seen watering his plants. The Rosh Hashiva was watering the plants. So Tommy came over and said, what are you doing? He said, when I was in the war, I hid from the Nazis in the forest. And the plants in the trees saved my life. So I'm Makir Tov now by going ahead and watering them. It's the same concept. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. Okay, we see the inherent value. Moshe took him to the forest once before that and said to him, Yeah. He didn't understand why Rechaim was taking him to the forest. This you cannot, this you can eat, this you cannot. And years later, that saved his life. That saved his life. Plants were not poisonous. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's an amazing story. Anyway, so we see the, the inherent uh, value, and we see that, again, that last week, that we have a kafwe tova, whether when the new paro came up, was it an actually new paro, or was it the same paro who didn't want to recognize, with new decrees, who didn't want to recognize what Yosef had done for the betterment of the country. So you're a kafwe tova, if you deny, if you, if you deny tova, what, what can happen? So the, the critical element of being makir tov. Okay. Viter. Gemara says, Reuven, Amr Rabbi Lezer, Amr Leah, Reu Ma Bain Bini Leven Chami. See the difference between my son and the son of, meaning referring to, uh, to Esav. The, okay? Now, who was the, my father in law's son? The Ilu Ben Chami, regarding Esav, Afagav, Dimidaite, Zavne, Levacharuse, even though he willingly sold the Bechorah to Yaakov, still, because it says, 
He literally hated him. As a result, he gave it to him, he sold it to him, but yet he hated him. And obviously impacted him negatively. How, and it says, Ksiv, when he actually, Ksiv, when he stole the brachos from Esau, from Yitzchak, when he got the bracha, when he dressed up, that's why he called this guy heel. Because he has healed me twice, meaning he, he stalked me twice. So we see that there was inherent anger and animosity of, in Esau towards Yaakov for stealing the Bechorah, even though he gave him the Bechorah, he didn't steal the Bechorah, he sold to him willingly. As opposed to, says Leah, Ru'u be'en, Ru'u ve'en, look at my son, that what? V'ilu b'ni afagav al karchei shaklei, even though the Bechorah was taken against his will, he didn't give up the Bechorah willingly. Shaklei Yosef li'bechu se'minei, that Yosef took the Bechorah, the Gemara Bar Metziah says, how did Yosef get the Bechorah? That he got pishnaim as far as Yosef and Menashe, each got a separate portion of land. Okay? So the Bechorah, we know the Bechorah is supposed to get Pishnaim. So Reuven didn't get the Pishnaim, Yosef got the Pishnaim. And still, even though he didn't give it up, it was taken from him, still the Chsiv, or Vechalit Aviv, Nitam Yosef. When did it happen? After Rachel died, Yaakov always kept his bed, his couch, in Rachel's tent. After Rachel died, he moved it to Billah's tent. Billah was Rachel's maidservant. Reuven felt insulted on behalf of his mother. And he took the couch, or the bed, so to speak, out of Bila's tent, and he put it in Leah's tent. And this actually cursed at the beginning of Vayichi, when Yaakov Avinu gives the brachos, he references this. So, and that's when the Bechorah was taken from him. And it was taken from him. He didn't volunteer, like, give it up, we sold it like Esau did, and Esau was angry. But, but still, Reuven was not jealous, was not anger, didn't harbor any resentment towards Yosef, as we see, he still wanted to go ahead and save, and save him. I was, oh, so, I was going to ask, when was that before or after so, they sold Yosef? So that's, when that was in the process of selling Yosef, but here's the question. I think what you're asking is follows. The Marsha asked the following question. When did they get the Yerusha? When did Ephraim and Menashe get the Yerusha? Much later on. In Ephraim. Yosef was around 50 years old at that time. He was sold. When they say that Yo- Reuven wanted to save him from the pit, he says, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. And the, and the Chumash tells us he threw him in the pit with the intention go to go and, and go back to him and pull him out. But that was when he was 17. It says Vunar. He was 17 years old. So he was 17 years old is when he tried to save him, but he didn't realize the Yerusha would be until th- 33 years later. It doesn't make, the math doesn't add up. So he says, no, that's when it manifested. But he knew he lost the Bechorah as soon as he did that act, much earlier on. He lost the Bechorah when he did that act that, to go ahead and to take the bed out of the, the, the wrong tent. It may not have manifested. He didn't see how it was realized, but he lost the, the Bechorah right there and then, so it was still in chronological order. Have an amazing day. We'll pick up a Mirza Hashem on Tuesday. Oh,